You're listening to the Douglas Jacoby Podcast. Here we bring you some of the material found on Douglas's website in podcast form. We hope that as you listen, you are challenged to think about faith. Today, Douglas continues his series on clean. Now looking at the leprosy of Miriam. For more on this episode, follow the link in the show notes to Douglas's website. Now here's today's teaching. Hello, I'm Douglas Jacoby. This is the series Clean. In the first section, five podcasts, we look at the concepts of purity and cleansing, what that means for our lives. And as we saw, there are many passages in both Testaments that have a lot to say about this important theme. Now we're in the second section, which consists of seven podcasts on leprosy. Not so much on the disease of leprosy, but on how healing from leprosy parallels and illuminates our cleansing from sin to live the kind of life that God wants us to live. There are 19 lepers that we're going to be looking at uh, in these seven podcasts, from the Old Testament first and then the New Testament. In the New Testament, interestingly, there's nothing in Acts, there's nothing in John, so the lepers will be those in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. I've met lepers. Once a leper had me and my family into his home. I sat on his bed as he shared a little about his life. My kids didn't fail to notice the missing digits, the horrible disfiguration. Lepers are people. Lepers become Christians too. I, I even know an ex-leper. You know, leprosy takes a while to really do its damage. It begins with maybe a tingling or a numb spot on the body. And, and one of my friends, they caught it quite early. And so he never went through, well, what we think of as typical leprosy. He was cured uh, as a child. I greet him warmly as my favorite Lex ex-leper, <laughs> and he, he calls himself that to me too. Look, leprosy can be cured, but in the ancient world, as we know, it seldom was cured unless there was a miracle. It's cured today through multi-drug therapy, and it's cheap too. Strict leprosy, Hansen's disease, well, we don't have time to talk about that, but if you're not aware of the diversity of skin diseases— and maybe even the way the Bible seems to lump them all together, um, you might want to do a little research this week and and find out what what classical leprosy actually is. Now, the first leper we'll look at is Moses' sister. Although you could argue, I suppose, that Moses was the first leper. How would that be? Well, this was a sign he was to show to Pharaoh to help soften him up, to let the Israelites go. In Exodus 4, 6, we read, Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak. And when Moses took it out, behold, his hand was leprous as snow. But this leprosy was instantly reversed um, by, the, by the opposite, by the reverse process. So Miriam is the, the leper. And also, I would say that when we think of leprosy and people being healed, they move from leprosy to complete health. They are lepers when we encounter them. But there's several we're going to look at, three in fact, who begin healthy and then they end up becoming lepers for various reasons. And so it's their transition from leprosy back to normality, back to where they were before, that is especially interesting. So we're going to begin by focusing, as I said, on Moses' sister Miriam, and I will read a bit from Numbers chapter 12. Miriam and Aaron 
spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, Has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. Okay, to make sure we're all on the same page, Miriam, Moses' older sister, Aaron, his older brother by three years, are together. They're, They're dissatisfied. Because it seems Moses had taken a second wife, unless his first wife, Zipporah, wasn't really a Midianite. This woman is Cushite. There are a couple of possibilities for what that means. It's probably someone from around the area of Ethiopia, someone who actually would have looked quite different to Moses. And the, you know, the issue of, of Moses' wives and so forth is outside the scope of our studies. So you let me off the hook. We're not going to go into that. I just want us to notice the, the jealousy. Technically, Miriam and Aaron were prophets also. And that's why they say, has not God spoken for us also? The Bible says Miriam was a prophet, and Aaron, I mean, Aaron was like God, and Moses was like his prophet, back in Exodus 7.1. And then it says the Lord heard it. The Lord hears our words. Nothing we say, nothing we even think escapes God's notice. So they're not happy. Continuing, now the man Moses was very meek more than all people who are on the face of the earth. And suddenly the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tent of meeting. And the three of them came out. And the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tent and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both came forward. So this is like the the father, you know, things aren't going well with the kids. The father says, all right, I want to talk to you, all of you over here. It's a serious thing. Many people have stumbled on verse 3, where it says that Moses was very meek, more than anyone else. You know, he was the most humble person. No, I don't believe Moses wrote this part of Numbers. They're called the books of Moses, the first five books of the Old Testament, because he was a key influence. There's no doubt that some of the words are actually his words, because we read about him writing down things in a book. But this one, there's no need to to, uh, take that one um, as written by his hand. It's a hyperbolic statement. I mean, I think the point is not that they've compared his heart to everyone else's heart on the planet. The point is that he was a very meek guy. The point is not about, though, his humility. It's a contrast between him and his older sister, right? So if you just pull out verse 3, you're not looking at it the right way, and you'll end up asking the wrong questions. We've got to see what it's doing in that context. It's really showing that Miriam has no excuse Miriam has no excuse. The one she's criticizing is actually very meek. And God continues, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. Now, hold on. What's going on? Normally, God spoke to prophets, gave them visions. Those visions came when they were in sleep or maybe in a, like a trance. Think of Peter on top of the house in Acts 10. But they were sleeping. They got a vision, and that's the way God normally spoke to prophets. But not so with Moses. No, he's in a different category. With him, I speak mouth to mouth, or we would say face to face, clearly, and not in riddles. And he beholds the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? 
So God's anger was justified. Miriam should have been afraid to speak up. Yeah, God had spoken through her, but she's less impressive than Moses. With her, as with the other prophets, it would have been indirectly, you know, through through a, a vision um, uh, in the night. God spoke face to face with Moses, and Moses was humble. So he's exonerated. This problem that's happening uh, among uh, the three siblings, Aaron, Miriam, Moses, it's not Moses's fault. What's the real issue? It's something else. It's not the Cushite wife, though it seems they didn't like her. It seems his older siblings disapprove. But that's not really the issue. It, it seldom is when someone has a critical spirit. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against them, and he departed. When the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous like snow. And Aaron turned toward Miriam, and behold, she was leprous. The punishment of leprosy, how horrible. Notice that God is angry against both Aaron and Miriam, but it's only Miriam who is stricken with leprosy. And this seems to be actual leprosy, Hansen's disease. This is not just an outbreak of eczema or some other skin disorder. It probably doesn't matter one way or the other exactly what's going on. But it does say that her skin is leprous like snow. Um, this, this suggests that something very serious has happened. And you, can, you know that from Aaron's reaction. Aaron said to Moses, Oh, my Lord, do not punish us because we have done foolishly and have sinned. Let her not be as one dead, whose flesh is half eaten away when he comes out of his mother's womb. And Moses cried to the Lord, Oh, God, please heal her, please. So even though Aaron didn't become a leper himself, he takes this divine punishment very seriously. It's like Paul's words to the Corinthians, when one part suffers, they all suffer. He really cares for her. And interestingly, he asks, he addresses first Moses, you know, as Lord, let's say Lord with a little L, uh, don't punish us. And then he, and then Moses, as a result, cries to God. So if you can see the, the order of things is actually reversed. Normally, back to Exodus 7-1, normally God would speak to Moses and Aaron would be the prophet, you know, speaking to the people. Now here, Aaron is the one who speaks to Moses and then Moses cries out to the Lord. I just noticed that, you know, everything's upside down. Everything's backwards. Things getting backwards is common when there's sin. But Moses cares, and he begs for her to be healed. Miriam is punished. Aaron seems to have been one with a more humble attitude, though, though Moses was the example that both should have learned from before. Uh, just a couple more verses. But the Lord said to Moses, If her father had but spit in her face, should she not be shamed seven days? Let her be shut outside the camp seven days, and after that, she may be brought in again. So even though she will be healed, she has become unclean, ceremonially unclean. Leprosy does that. It's not, the point is not that she's uh, unclean uh, morally. But this would require separation from the people. And in the case of leprosy, uh, being uh, quartered outside the camp for as long as she has the disease, well, as long as 
it's uh, contagious. So it's not necessarily forever and ever. So uncleanness brings about a separation. It kind of puts you towards the margin or even outside. It brings about a separation. And those who are outside the camp were supposed to call out, the lepers were to call out unclean, unclean. They're supposed to cover their mouth. And it's a warning, you know, like, don't come near me. I'm, I'm unclean. I think of, you know, often uh, anywhere in the world we go, you'll see people from, say, Japan, okay, or, or Taiwan. If they have a cold, they wear a mask. It looks like a surgical mask. I, I noticed this the first time I went to Japan about 30 years ago, and it seemed kind of quaint, but actually it makes a lot of sense. Cover your mouth. And particularly because leprosy is spread uh, through uh, nose mouth. So even though Miriam is a, quote, big time leader, right, end quote, uh, she's no exception. There's one standard for all. Since consequences uh, aren't somehow diminished because someone is high up in, in the, uh, on the ladder of leadership. In fact, it's more serious the higher up you are. So the text implies that Miriam was healed that she didn't have to remain a leper for the rest of her life. The punishment is temporary, but it does slow down the people of God. It says, actually, in the next verse, uh, she was shut outside seven days. The people didn't set out on the march until Miriam was brought in again. And after that, the people set out. So it slows down the people of God. How often has my sin, even if unknown to others, slowed down everything, slowed down the process? Uh, certainly word of what had happened with Miriam uh, got out. And so people knew, but it affects the people of God. I think one reason often it seems the church is not on the march and things aren't happening, it's sin that's not dealt with, particularly in the lives of significant leaders. Our sin affects the body of Christ. It affects our relationships. But those in a position of trust and leadership are especially responsible. All right, so what can we learn? How does this all relate to our lives and our desire to be clean in the presence of God? You may feel uh, sanctified, pure today as you listen to this lesson. You may feel the absolute opposite or somewhere in between, but I'm sure if you're listening to this, you long to be clean. You, You don't want to be grimy, sooty, the dirty, you want to be clean. You want to experience that. You don't want anything to separate you from God or from other people, which is what sin does. Well, there, there are a few points I like to make in closing. One application is this. Jealousy, rival, uh, envy, resentment, these should never exist in the lives of, of Christians, of those who follow the Lord. They might, and if they do, they should be dealt with quickly. They're serious. Second, bitterness and a critical spirit can sometimes even change our physical appearance. Now, this this point is not directly from the text, but I, I think you'll forgive me when you see what I'm saying. In her case, her sin led to her looking different with uh, the leprosy, which indicated not just to her, but to everyone Um, that something was wrong. I mean, nothing, she wouldn't have done anything wrong if she had simply contracted leprosy from someone else. That would be unfortunate. But in her case, to go instantaneously from, you know, the total health to to leprosy, 
is is an indication of divine judgment. Usually sickness does not indicate sin. Now, remember John 9, 1 and 2, Jesus' disciples think that blindness must be the fault of someone, otherwise how would some guy be born blind? But we all know that in some cases, there is a strong psychosomatic connection. What we do can lead to a change in our physiology, a, a change in uh, patterns of behavior, but especially physiology. And, and for, for example, harboring guilt where our resistance is low, it somehow affects the immune system, more likely to come down with the cold or the flu. Now, in Miriam's case, her disfigurement was a punishment, yet it also reflected the onset of spiritual decay and dysfunction that come from tolerating sin, and that includes sinful attitudes. So when we're not doing well spiritually, often people can see it in our eyes. It's clear from what we do, what we don't do. A guilty conscience affects our sleep. It affects our health. When people are focused inward, they don't go out so much. Like Miriam, they're they're kind of separated from uh, the action. In, in that case, though, the action is inside. Uh, but people don't get out. They don't exercise, typically. Uh, they may put on weight or lose weight. They don't really want to be with others. Sin blunts our effectiveness as ambassadors of Christ. It slows down the church corporately. It slows us down individually. But what else can we learn about leprosy? What is spiritual leprosy, if there is such a thing? We're going to continue our exploration tomorrow as we leave Miriam and go on to our next subject. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed Douglas's teaching on clean. For additional notes and resources, be sure to check out Douglas's website in the show notes. The website has hundreds of articles, podcasts, and videos for you to access for free. You can also become a premium subscriber and gain access to thousands of online resources from Douglas's teaching ministry. Thanks again for listening.